The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called Master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here who doesn't have enough burdens? Let's start right there. Because there's an element of what the Lord's saying with that reference to burdens that are imposed. That is very important because, let's be honest, life is hard enough, isn't it? Life is hard enough and we find ourselves we can usually barely manage the burdens we already have, let alone new ones imposed from elsewhere. This teaching of Jesus touches a very real nerve and touches something that very easily, especially when we have a desire to become more fervent in our faith, we can quickly get wrong. So the Lord, looking at the scribes and the Pharisees, tells the people they have real authority You do, in fact, need to listen to them. However, you also don't need to live like them. What an interesting statement that is. And if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize in our hearts, too, I have tremendous ideals that I aspire to, and I, on a daily basis, regularly fall short of living according to them. It doesn't mean the ideals are bad. It doesn't mean the values are wrong, but it does mean that oftentimes in my own living, there's a lot of how I live that doesn't match them. Which is why every now and then we have that famous statement that we hear in our families or among our friends or our coworkers, 
You know, I'd go to church, but there are so many hypocrites there I don't. And honestly, the best answer is, why don't you show up? There's always room for one more. <laughs> because let's be honest, that is an element of how we live. But the issue is, simply not matching my behavior to my ideals doesn't make me a hypocrite. Pretending these things don't match is what makes me a hypocrite. And so Jesus now, speaking with regards to a certain false character of teaching, one that is alive and well among us today. There's a lot of spiritual malpractice, for example, that one can find on YouTube videos about living a good Catholic life. And it's often well-intentioned and well-meaning. But somebody in a fit of fervor talks about the secret to be radical and on fire and all of these practices that we will do that will make us saints quickly. And in the end, it's like Jesus is talking about with the Pharisees. These easy statements that we can make to somebody else. What you need to do is this and this and this. And, and you ever notice how the list gets longer all the time? What you need to do, and let me think of all the things about you that need to change and be made different. What you need to do, all the self-improvement you need to do. And it hooks into the heart that desires to get things right. And a heart that begins to say, oh my God, I fall so far short. I'll never measure up. I have to do all these things. And all of a sudden, growth in faith becomes a burden and not a source of life. Growth in faith is not about being burdened. As hard work as it is, it's about moving toward a greater degree of freedom and living. So as Jesus is speaking, he points to a certain moralizing character that can live in any of our hearts that desire to point out the flaws we see in others, the way others need to work harder to measure up to a standard that I myself don't match. But it's often done out of the perspective of I'm the expert. I'm the one who knows. I'm the one who can tell you how things need to be. And all of a sudden, the weight of commandments, the weight of practices, the weight of changes gets imposed and imposed and imposed, and one begins to think, I can't even begin to move under all of this. I don't know where to start. You know what Jesus says? You guys are so good at that. You moralize, you judge, you condemn, you're quick with the big, bold suggestion. And you give people this, and then you don't even help them navigate that. And note what the Lord is saying. If we're going to give advice, if we're going to make suggestions, there's a second half of that. Because more important than pointing out things that need to be done is helping people move forward. And if you're not going to give that help, you told me you're not invested in those you're speaking to. So note the Lord. Be careful, he says. Be careful about following too rigidly or too quickly 
the voice of one who isn't invested truly in your good and in your growth. This is why it's marvelous that we have this reading from St. Paul today where Paul says, Consider what I did. I was even like a mother trying to raise children with you. Note the implication. I invested myself in your well-being. I didn't just come to you with a word from outside. I didn't just come to you in a spirit of authority. Rather, my authority expressed itself in the fact that I invested in your good. My authority and the truth of my proclamation is clear because I didn't give you a list of instructions and walk away. I stayed with you so that the growth that was beginning in you could really produce good fruit. Note how important that is and how different that is from the example that Jesus is talking about. Because there can be a certain smug self-satisfaction that can creep into any of us when we sense we've made some degree of spiritual progress. And there's the desire to say, I'm ahead of others, I'm above others, and we like to be celebrated for things that are going right in our lives. And so he says there are those among the believing community who like to be celebrated for their goodness. And oftentimes what happens is we begin trying to do real good and we have some success. But then a certain pride creeps in. And all of a sudden, it's no longer about doing good or helping others grow. It becomes about being noticed, being appreciated, being celebrated. They love the title rabbi. They love the greetings in the marketplace. They love to be invited and given the seat in front of everybody, the place of honor. So know what the Lord is saying. Notice how none of those things involves actual concern for the people to whom they're speaking. None of those things involves actual concern for helping others grow in goodness and in freedom. It's all about how others will celebrate me. And in giving this example, the Lord then turns to his disciples and says, and that better not be you guys. And what he means by that is you need to be invested in the growth of each other. You need to be invested in the goodness of one another. And you need to be willing to work together toward that goodness and in that growth. Otherwise, otherwise you become something very different. I've told this story a couple times over the last several weeks, but the scriptures seem to keep coming back to it. But about four or five hundred years ago, there was a tremendously skilled spiritual director named John Gerson. And he lived on the border of France and Germany. And many came to him, clergy, lay people, the educated, the uneducated, because of his wisdom. And this man who spent so much of his life giving others advice one day wrote a letter to a friend. And he said, what I am most afraid of, imagine that. This man, famous for his peace and his wisdom and his insight, what I am most afraid of. And we wonder, what would worry a guy like that? What I am most afraid of is that at the end, before God, I am going to be seen as the guy who stood 
at the foot of the mountain trail, who invited people to climb the trail and even handed them the map, but never walked it himself. I don't want to be the guy who gave good advice for others to follow without actually walking the way myself. I don't want to be the guy who says, you need to get there, who's content to stay at the bottom. So when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's saying, be careful who you imitate. Be careful who you follow in that sense. It's easy to be the guy who hands out the map. It's easy to be the guy who points out the direction. But what you want is the one who's going to walk the way with you. What, the one, what you want is the one who's going to pick you up as you stumble and help you stop from falling. That's the one you want. In other words, Jesus is essentially saying, you want a guy like me. And so let's look at that for a moment. Because Jesus, who's speaking in this way, comes for one reason, and it's not to be celebrated. It's to save us. Why does God come down from heaven to become born of the Virgin Mary? Because you need him, and so do I. And he doesn't come to give us a list of instructions. He comes as one who shares the nuts and bolts of our living. Imagine that. He lays aside his glory to come and save a world can't grab after glory fast enough. Jesus makes himself poor because we're poor and need to be made rich in him. Note the opposite character of spirit. Jesus comes not to be called teacher and rabbi. Jesus comes to stretch out his hand to the face of the leper and to touch the one that the law says cannot be touched, and in doing so, heal him. And as we all know, we begin our prayer with the sign of the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who picks up the burden that we can't carry ourselves. Look how marvelous that is. Jesus doesn't come to put a burden on you. Jesus knows guilt, resentment, regret, failure, simple exhaustion. These things weigh us down. And the world is burdened by a weight it can't bear on its own. We can't save ourselves. And so what does Jesus do? Instead of tying up a burden and giving it to somebody else, he says to us, that burden that you can't carry, the one that's not mine, I'll take it and I'll carry it. When we see pictures of Jesus carrying the cross, that's what he's carrying, not just a piece of wood, but the weight of all the regret and the pain and the woundedness that this world has known from the beginning. A weight we can't begin to carry, but he carries it. Know what Jesus is saying to his disciples. That's the spirit. That's the spirit out of which you must live with together. 
That is the spirit out of which you must support one another, not simply with an easy word of judgment, but with a commitment to lift those burdens that are so hard to carry, with a commitment to move forward and invest in the goodness of one another. Note how different that is. It's so much easier to give instructions. But instructions cost me nothing. They're easy to say. They're easy to repeat. But what costs is that investment of myself in you, that investment of yourselves in one another, in the spirit of Jesus who shows us the way. How wonderful that is. Because in just a few minutes, note, he's going to be right here on this altar. And however weighed down by life any of us may be, what does he say? Get up and come. I'm here for you. Sunday after Sunday, he's here for you and for me. Because he doesn't save us and go away and leave us on our own. He's here every Sunday for you and for me. And all we have to do is stretch out our hands. And as we stretch out our hands to him, he's also that one who stretches out his hand to us to ease the burden that we do bring here. What a great gift that is. And how wonderful, likewise, we can reflect on these things with all of these names placed before our altar. All of our loved ones who have gone before us and passed away, often themselves burdened and overwhelmed by life. And yet here, praying for them, we do what Jesus said the Pharisees did not do. We begin to loosen the burdens that weigh them down so that they can be sped to glory and life. And what a great gift that is. What a great gift that is a love and a concern that doesn't stop at the temporal ending of physical life, but continues even past it. A love and an investment in Jesus Christ, which indeed makes us one. And so the Lord says, don't be like them. Rather, let my spirit live within you. And by all means, invest yourselves in the good of one another. Amen. Amen.